And with that, we welcome you inside the studio. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal with you. This is the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Glad to have you along. Final Friday before the Final Four. Over the next four days of basketball, we have got fantastic matchups all throughout. The women's semifinals tonight, the men tomorrow, championship Sunday and Monday. We've got the NHL playoff picture that's starting to take shape. Only one playoff spot is left up for grabs. A look at the NBA MVP race, an update before they close the regular season. We've got another segment in addition to the Friday funnies to introduce. Pack show for the next hour. That. I'm excited, and it's only 4 o'clock. It's only 4 o'clock. There's a lot that's, that is going to be decided tonight, a lot that's going to happen over this weekend. It's going to be a fun time. I, I'm i already looking forward to it. Um, the Final Four is something I look forward to every year, and uh, you got Michigan State's in there. A lot of people are wanting I think this is the most winnable Final Four they've had mm-hmm. since 2010, um, when there was the Butler-Duke-West Virginia yeah. <laughs> group. And uh, I would say they're probably the favorites right now. Granted, they have a good test with Texas Tech, who's looked really sharp in the tournament, much better than I thought they'd be. And uh, But I think they have the capability to do it. I think they're after beating Duke, I think they can beat just about anybody. I still believe that every season Tom Izzo has had here at Michigan State, and they're always a relevant basketball team. But out of all the years that he's been here, this is his best coaching job far and away and it would be only fitting for it to culminate in a title. I, you know, and you wonder how many, you know, there's been so many talks about his legacy, mm-hmm. and I'm writing a column about it. It's going to come out Sunday, and uh, it's just that second title would finally shut up all the critics mm-hmm. that he has, and, uh, you know, but I don't think he needs it. I think this the opportunities right there i agree with you this is the best coaching job he's done he finally got past coach k <laughs> you know that was kind of like the wall he couldn't get past and uh it everything's lining up you know you look at playoffs sometimes in tournaments how it's almost like a perfect path it looks like a team is <laughs> going on the right way to get a title it looks good for them now granted they have texas tech and either virginia or um Blank and Auburn and Auburn, and but they're all beatable teams, and mm-hmm. I think this is Michigan State's year now. I thought I picked them to go to the championship game mm-hmm. in our bracket, but I thought they'd lose. But now I think they're going to win. Yeah, you've suddenly snaked right up to the top in our ESPN UP friends of the show pool. I I lost all my contending teams when Duke went out the window and on Sunday's matchup. But right now, you know, I don't think it's an outrageous statement to say. There's a case to be made for Tom Izzo being the best coach in college basketball. I don't think that's an outrageous statement anymore. No one's been to more Final Fours than him since he's come into the league. He beat a team with five McDonald's All-Americans on Sunday. He's he's always played the underdog role well. Since the tournament's been seeded, no lower seed has been more victorious than those coached by Tom Izzo. I think you can make the case for that, but there's a lot of other people in there the are. equation. So a lot of other it, people it would actually be a massive debate that you could probably fill an entire maybe segment or right. two about that. But um, you know, it just shows that you can never count him out and ever count his teams out. And I'm glad they beat Duke because Duke should have lost to UCF <laughs> and they should have lost in the Sweet 16. And it was just like everything's pointing at them being, this is a vastly overrated team <laughs> and they should have lost to teams that are considered lower than they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally they got knocked off by a two seed. So it was it was nice to see it for him. It was nice you know, for Michigan State. And after Michigan's debacle against Texas Tech, it gives, you know the state a whole lot of pride that, you know, this could be another championship. Zion Williamson was named the AP Men's Basketball Player of the Year earlier this afternoon. He received 59 of a possible 64 votes. Teammate R.J. Barrett was second place. So despite all that, Duke is still not going to the Final Four because of Tom Izzo. Yeah, so, like, there's so many Duke haters out there, so um, people have asked, who are you going to hate now, now that Duke's out? Mm. (laughs) And... The thing is, there's no real hateable team out there. Right. I mean, unless you're going to go after like a blue blood team, but all the blue blood teams are out of it too. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can't really dislike any of the teams that are still in it. I still think Virginia is overrated. I like, do too. Yeah, but I, I think any of them have the potential to winning it. But I think the state's the favorite. As much as I 
don't trust Virginia as much as I have a chip on my shoulder against them for as many times as they busted my bracket. I feel really good for Tony Bennett, one year removed from losing to the first 16 seed in tournament history. He comes back and gets his team to the Final Four. I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, and uh, you wonder if a team could recover from that. Yeah. Because that's... (laughs) It's probably the biggest upset in uh, NCAA tournament history. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had them going to the Final Four, um, and then to lose for a team called Baltimore University <laughs> of Maryland, Baltimore County, it just uh, it was unheard of. Very, very few people thought it would happen, and uh, you wonder if a coach can recover from that or a team can recover from that. And they've done pretty well. I still think they're a little overrated. I thought they should have lost to Oregon, um, and they're elite. <laughs> they got lucky, I feel, against Purdue. So, um, I don't know. I, I think State's going to take it, though. I think uh, I actually think Virginia's going to get past Auburn, mm. but I think State's going to beat Virginia in the championship. We've got the women's Final Four tipping off tonight, and all four of those teams, really good, could win the title as well. You've got Baylor and Oregon starting things off. UConn-Notre Dame is the nightcap. little extra incentive in that game. There's always been that rivalry between the Huskies and the Fighting Irish. Muffet-McGraw has been... Uh, hailed as an advocate for women in sports over the last few days. She's polling very well, for lack of a better word, for a lot of women's rights advocates. Uh, Gino Oriema, head coach at UConn, uh, with some comments that have rubbed some people the wrong way. Gino rubbing people the wrong way? Yeah, I've never I've heard seen of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be really fun to see one of those two have to shake the other's hand tonight in one of the most icy, tense moments of the entire tournament. That, that would be very interesting. I, I actually think Notre Dame's got the team. Um, UConn, as good as they are, this is one of their better teams. I mean, they were a two seed, which is still really, really high. Mm-hmm. But... You know, this isn't like where people have looked at UConn and be like, oh, they got it in the bag. <laughs> you know, it's UConn. This isn't one of those teams. And uh, I think um, any of the four could do it. Oregon was a little bit of a surprise, but they've been playing consistently well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, it's very different between the men and the women this year. The, the men have some teams that you wouldn't think would be in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the women, you're like, oh, this is like three teams that you figure would be in the Final Four, and Oregon. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of weird how it flip-flopped. Uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued, though. Um, I think it's going to be Oregon and Notre Dame in the championship. Mm, that'd be a fun championship. Yeah, very much so. I, uh, I, think, I think Muffet will... Which, by the way, is a really interesting name. Yeah. I, I love that name. Uh, well, beat Gino and kind of shut him up. I'm not a fan of Oriyama. No, nobody <laughs> is. I, uh, he's 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 really controversial, and he says some really questionable things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm tired of people just kissing up to him <laughs> because he's good. <laughs> it's like you know he still can be a jerk. <laughs> it's a jerk yeah. yeah, it's like so. I don't know. I think he gets a pass because he's good. Right. So, but uh, should be a fun two games, though. Well, we had the NIT championship last night. Texas beat Lipscomb 81-66. to And Jake Durant was on here yesterday. We talked about something that was kind of a, not controversial, but kind of a coin flip topic where you'd want to go. Lipscomb made the NIT as a sixth seed, so there were 20 teams plus who would have had net large before them. Uh so they came up one game short of getting an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. They lost to Liberty in their conference championship game. Liberty was bounced in the first round of the tournament. So we started talking yesterday, and it was it was kind of a brain teaser in a way. Would you rather be a team that gets to the NCAA tournament and loses right away? You know, you're largely unremembered in a footnote. Or would you rather be like Lipscomb, not make the NCAA tournament, but still find a way to... Uh, uh, to make it to another tournament, go on a run, play a couple extra weeks of basketball, get to go to Madison Square Garden and, you know, get a little bit more recognition. It, it was weird. And I actually put it on Twitter because I wanted to see what my friends and people that follow me thought. And it was a coin flip vote. You know, the lead was changing hands over and over. It ended up being 51% to 49 that most of my followers on Twitter would rather 
go to the NCAA tournament and lose right away rather than win the NIT. I'd go that route. Would you? Uh, yeah, because the NCAA tournament means a lot. And even if you get bounced in the first round, you can still market that. We are a good enough team that we made it that far. And even though we lost, you know, say that to your incoming freshman. You're trying to get recruits. See, we made the tournament last year. Mm-hmm. You could be on the type of team, and maybe you'd be on the team that can get us past the first round. With the NIT, it's like, well, congrats, but like it's it's like a consolation <laughs> prize in a way. It's like you weren't good enough to make the big tournament, but you were good enough to win a secondary tournament. It's just, I don't know, it, the NIT is something that, you know, it's still big. You know, people pay attention to it, mm-hmm. but it's it just doesn't have the same, you know, kind of feeling behind it. I mean, congrats to them, you know, for actually making it that far right. in the NIT, but it's just... You know, it's, it doesn't have the same kind of marketability. And aren't there, like, a bunch of other ones, too? Isn't there, like, the CBI? The, yeah, and the CIT. The, I mean, is that even worth mentioning? Man, I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> if, if you're playing in it. I mean, yeah, but still, it's like, you know, I wouldn't use that as a marketing right. thing. Like, if you win the CIT, see what we did? No, nobody cares. And one of those is, like, a five-game series, I think, because DePaul and South Florida are in one of those tournaments, and they have been playing, like, five days straight. I don't know who's winning. I haven't paid attention, but I don't think that's a brag. No. No. That recruits aren't going to be <laughs> impressed by that. So, uh, But, you know, I can see the argument for the NIT, but I just think the NCAA tournament means more, and even if you lose, you can still say that you made it. Well, while we're on the subject of the NIT, that included last night. The HIT continues this weekend, the yeah. Hematide Invitational Tournament. Yeah, it uh, that should be, from what I heard, it's a fun tournament. Uh, Ryan Riekel's done a really good job putting that together, and uh, I would... If people want to come out and cheer, I think that's a good thing to watch. Apparently, there's a lot of good players that come in. Some fun basketball. I think they've got the high school all-star team this weekend. I think they got that, and I think there might be some college basketball players. I think Nob and Isaiah might be in there. and uh, It's just great basketball. So if you want to check out, if you're still in basketball mode and you're not, <laughs> you know, let's say you want to step away from the NCAA tournament for a little bit, you know, there's a great opportunity to watch some good basketball. So uh, I think it's been a success so far, so hopefully more fans will show up for it. $3 entry fee, games from 6 to 10. Ryan's been on here a couple of times and got to give a little exposure to the HIT. Should be a lot of fun uh, over at Ishpeming High School. Also, the American Legion National Hockey Tournament. Uh, the Marquette Junior Wildcats fall to Tampa 6-4 to four earlier today. They're now 1-1 one and one in pool play. They will conclude pool play tomorrow. That's a fun group to watch themselves. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how you have still... Basketball and hockey season are over in the big part. You know, high school's done. You know, <laughs> NMU's done. But they're still going on. So if you want to watch or pay attention to quality sports, you know, you got two good opportunities there. Well, I tell you what, we owe you a timeout. When we come back, the NHL playoff picture is taking shape. Plus, the Hobie Hattrick finalist announced ahead of the Frozen Four. We'll break it down next for you in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad that you're with us in your Friday afternoon. Hockey in this segment, and we're going to do the Friday funnies before the bottom of the hour today because we've got a special segment that we're going to end the show with this afternoon. Well, the Hobie hat trick, which, you know, equivalent to the football Heisman. Uh, the finalists have been announced. The Hobie hat trick consists of the three finalists for the most outstanding player in college hockey. I'm joined by one of the voters for the award, Mr. Ryan Stieg, in the studio here, as usual on Fridays. Adam Fox out of Harvard, Kale Mac- uh, McCarr of UMass, Jimmy Schultz of St. Cloud State. What do they all have in common? All defensemen. All defensemen. How weird is that? quite weird i uh <laughs> do we not have any forwards who can score the puck uh, that actually bothered me um for every year for the hobie baker awards um as a voter we have a big discussion about the 10 finalists and it just i was annoyed <laughs> with, how it, with the finalists this year because no goaltenders nobody from the wcha and it was just like there was so much 
East Coast focus. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the case every year because there's a lot of East Coast bias. I'll say it. (laughs) Because there's a lot of voters who are from, you know, those kind of areas. Um, Bucigras is actually a voter. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yep. Um, And Dave Starman's a voter. And uh, there's a bunch of other guys, too, that people might know. And some coaches are in there. Mm -hmm. But it just... I, I... I feel like there's way too much of a, uh, emphasis on defensemen. I mean, how do you – there's so many guys who can score, and you threw in, like, three guys who aren't known <laughs> for, like, true offense. Right. Just, I, uh, I had um, – I did have Schultz in my final three. I had uh, the guy from UMass, but uh, I, I gave the edge to Heros out of uh, Michigan State. Um, I thought he deserved to be up there because – I. You know, there's two defensemen, and you got to throw a forward in there. Yep. And he led the country in points. And that's another thing that bothers me is <laughs> voters don't know what they're voting for sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's, in my opinion, there's a some there's an emphasis on your stats, and there's an emphasis on what you do for the community and the kind of person you are. And it's <laughs> you can't really. Voters have a hard time distinguishing that. There's some guys who vote entirely on stats, and other guys just focus on the volunteerism and, like, oh, their stats are okay, but they're a nice guy, Mm -hmm. so we should have him out there. So, And it's just, it can get really frustrating because unlike the Heisman, which is pretty much entirely based on stats and Mm -hmm. your performance, the Hobie's not necessarily that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I put Fox in there. Um, I like Fox. I, like, I wanted I think, him in there. Yeah, I like. I did, but that's all right. Yeah, I just it looks really bad when there's three defensemen. Right, and uh, the right guy didn't win it two years um, two years ago, and the right guy did win it last year. So it's like since I've become a voter, I've been a part of one great experience, <laughs> one that shouldn't have happened, and one that you can debate about who should be in the final three. Um, I think two of them are right. I wouldn't have put Fox in there. I like his stats, and I think he's a great player, but it just, compared to a guy who led the country in points, it just looks weird. <laughs> so <laughs> when know? all said and done, when voting is over, then how much is how their team did going to factor into this? Because you mentioned Taro Hirose from Michigan State, led the country in points, but he was on a team that wasn't very good this year. Do you think that factored into him not being a final three uh, contender for it? And if so, then you have two guys in the final three whose teams got bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Only Kale McCarr is still playing. I think that does hurt you if your team doesn't necessarily go that far. And if you miss the if you miss the NCAA tournament, I think that hurts you the most. But if your team gets bounced earlier than expected, that also is a reflection, even though it's not really your fault. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I think people remember that. Um, I think that's partially one of the reasons why the guy who got the award that shouldn't have gotten the award got it is because the guy who I thought should have won the award, um, his team got bounced a little early. But it just... I don't know. It's it's always an interesting experience being part of the voters, and uh, it's kind of like the all UP voting. You know, it's like not. It's like you can be frustrated as a voter, and you know the people who got <laughs> who see the final star will probably be frustrated too. Um, I think, and another thing is that the hat trick has already been determined, and the guy who won has already been determined. Mm-hmm. There's not a revoting after the hat trick. Um, it's the guy who got the most votes all together, and the top three, you know, will move on. Mm. And uh, so it's, I don't know who it is because I don't know why they keep it so secret from the voters. I feel like they should have just said who it was because it's like, I can keep it tight lipped, <laughs> you know, until the Frozen Four. But it's just, I don't know if they wanted to make it a surprise. If I was a betting man, I'd lean toward the UMass guy just yep. because UMass has had just a surprisingly great... I thought they'd be better this year, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought Frozen 4, no. Hockey East dominance, you know, I... So I'd probably lean that route. You can make the case for Jimmy Schultz because he was in it last year, and uh, you know, St. Cloud had, you know, arguably the best year at every but they got bounced in the first round. I don't know if that's going to affect him at all. And uh, Fox... I, 
I'm leaning towards, I think, the UMass guy gets to get it, but who knows. Well, I tell you what, uh, we got a lot to fit in before the break. We've got the NHL playoff picture taking shape, plus the Friday funnies. Uh, 15 of the 16 NHL playoff spots have been clinched. Over in the Western Conference, we know who's going. Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, Dallas, and Colorado. In the East, it's Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Washington, Pittsburgh, the New York Islanders, and Carolina. Ends the longest active uh, drought in the NHL last night. They clinched it. The last spot up for grabs between Columbus and Montreal. Columbus right now in the driver's seat. You like the NHL playoff picture? What did you not expect out of these guys? I mean, and I will say I was hoping Arizona was going to make it. They were eliminated last night. It would have been fun to see Carolina and Arizona both in the postseason. Uh, I'm wondering if because if the celebrations turned around to Carolina's season. When they started doing that? They might have had something to do with it, but either way, I hope they get bounced the first round because of it, because they're nauseating. Really? I, I love I love their celebrations. Hate it. I, okay, Don Cherry, simmer down. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think they're great. Um, I, I thought I I don't like the only thing I don't like about it is the skull chat because they mm. s- stole that from, from the Vikings and it just doesn't fit. But uh, just they're getting wacky and they add a little element to the game. And hockey is a hard time in itself. Marketing, <laughs> you know, they're the fourth tier. Right. It's, I mean, it, there's a lot of passionate fans around the country, but it's. You wonder if it's ever going to eclipse the NBA, and I don't think it will, just mm-hmm. because it's Canada's game. Right. <laughs> it's not really America's game, but uh, anything that helps out, and uh, I think it's great. I'm thinking they probably will get bounced in the first round just because they don't have the talent, but I'm glad they make it in just because it adds that element, and Don Cherry will be grumpy, and you know, I'm hoping that's, I'm hoping he has to analyze them more and more, because it'd be funny to watch his reaction. Well, likely they're going to get the Capitals, the defending cup champs in the first round. Only guaranteed matchup in the Eastern Conference has Boston taking on Toronto, otherwise the Lightning are going to get the winner of uh, Columbus and Montreal, whichever team gets in from those two, and likely it's going to be Columbus, and then in all likelihood it will be the Islanders and the Penguins in a series. Penguins clinched last night for the fir- 13th straight year, longest active streak in the NHL, so I'm happy about that. Well, of course you are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Islanders, it's nice to see them. I, I I thought it was a raw deal that they moved from Long Island to Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> and now they play like some of their games in Long Island like a cheap consolation. Hey, mm-hmm. We'll still be your friends half the time. It was a terrible <laughs> investment. No, it was awful. And uh, I think Washington has a good – I think they're going to go far. Um, defending champs, they got that momentum. Um, but hockey's interesting. The teams that you think will do well sometimes don't. I think Columbus will get in. Uh, talk about underachieving yeah. for the Canadians. Isn't Montreal that team that everybody thought, like, maybe this is their year, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been? And then you got the Leafs, which – Everybody was so high on. I mean, I mean, I, I understand it, but they're not the best team no. in Canada. I mean, it's just, ugh. <laughs> it's, it's there's so many preseason predictions that fall apart, and uh, which is kind of funny and kind of enjoyable because it's unpredictable. But at the same time, I mean, nobody thought Vegas would go that no. far. So that's what made it fun. So we'll see what happens this year. West looks a lot more wide open than the East. In the East right now, everybody's thinking this is Tampa's thing to lose. But who knows could come out of the West? Yeah, Tampa Bay, which my wife will be happy because she's a Lightning fan. Yeah. Um, I hope they go far just because I feel like they've been on the cusp of achieving (laughs) that Stanley Cup. They lost to Chicago in the Cup a couple of years ago. and uh, Pittsburgh the next year in the conference finals. Yeah, so it's like it'd be nice to see them. I love that they switched to their blue jerseys. I think they're (laughs) – I think the – you know, the bright blue is great. And uh, they got a lot of passionate fans, so I'm hoping Tampa goes far. Yeah, I know you're a Minnesota guy. The Wild eliminated a couple of nights ago. Is there any chance – Bruce Boudreaux doesn't return to the bench next season. I think there's a good chance he doesn't yeah. return because Wild fans are getting frustrated. You know, they have they were predicted to go far a few years ago. They didn't. They underachieve every year, and it's a state of hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Minnesotans love their hockey, and they're just 
they're fed up with the team not doing what it's supposed to do. So, and isn't Bruce Boudreaux, is he, would you call him the most overrated coach in the NHL? He's underperformed quite a bit for the last few years. Yes. He's up there in the argument. Yeah, because, you know, you always hear his name thrown around. Oh, look how good he is. But he never really gets the job done in no. the playoffs. He's, you know, he's like Laval. <laughs> it's like Peter Lavalette, <laughs> you know, that guy who's, you know, he's always in the conversation, but also doesn't get it done in the postseason. So it's, I don't know. The NHL is this also-ran thing where mm-hmm. the same guys get jobs over and over right. again. So I don't think he lasts much longer. Well, I tell you what, before we hit the bottom of the hour, we're going to do the Friday funnies before the second break. Because, again, we got a special segment ending the day. So, Ryan, make us laugh. Okay. Uh, start off. You'll be happy. Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. Uh penguins uh forward uh got penguins fans free big macs um and a kind of a cheap uh sweepstakes things that the mcdonald's does during penguins games uh players have to score a goal in a two-minute span Mm -hmm. and they have a countdown clock going on to see and if they do they win free big macs for everybody in the arena Mm -hmm. phil got it done he scored with like a minute and six seconds left on the clock Everybody's happened. They chanted to thank you, Phil, for like a <laughs> for almost a good two minutes. And Phil was all proud of himself. And he's a man of the people. The he man is. will score and get you free free burgers. He I mean, is probably the. I still think he's the most unap, unathletic looking athletic guy in all of pro sports. Right. But he gets the job done. He does. He's, he's a, guy, a great athlete. You wouldn't think he would be, but he's... Just Google Phil Kessel and tell me he does not look like the most <laughs> he didn't look. He, he didn't look like a hockey player. No. Um, the Jets in uniform, sure, everybody saw that. Not exactly a warm reception. <sighs> Some people are saying they look like an arena league team. They look like North Texas, the mean green. Yeah. Like they're sharp looking, but they don't look NFL quality. They made, reinvented three colors yeah yeah gotham green green, spotlight white stealth black (laughs) first of all gotham green has to do with gotham city Mm -hmm. that's where batman is (laughs) (laughs) batman doesn't wear green you can throw that out the window but uh yeah i i'm not a fan it's like the saskatchewan rough riders and the north texas mean green had a kid and you know north texas is the mean green Uh i mean it's like you're copying the uniforms from an like an arena league sounding college team. It just it's a mess. And you know what? The Jets uniforms are fine. I don't know why they changed right. it. Cheap marketing. Um, of course, Virginia's Kyle Guy is going to get married. He's engaged. He threw a wedding registry online. A UVA compliance guy forced him to take it down because he thought it would violate NCA policy. And they didn't want to have that distraction with Virginia being in the Final Four. They took it down. Mark Emmett, head of the NCAA, says it's okay. We're okay with having people having wedding registries. But well, the how fact, big of them? Yeah, but the fact that the NCAA had to actually weigh in on whether you can have a wedding registry just seems really absurd. And they already make tor- terrible decisions in the right. first place, so not a good look. Although they did say it was okay. They did. So maybe... You know, that softens the blow for them a little bit. Uh, Rich guy, um, you know, came out and bought the Harvard fencing coach's house at double the house's value, and somehow, magically, his kid ends up on the Harvard fencing team. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. We all know about that scandal that happened (laughs) that I even wrote a column about a a few weeks ago. This doesn't have anything to do with the FBI investigation, but it just shows that maybe they should be a part of it because it's pretty clear that something was going on there. I mean, double the guy's house value? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's a blatant sign he's trying to get his kid on the team. Um, but ended up he bought it in 2016 and sold it 17 months later at a loss. Mm. So nice work, guy. You, wow. bought, you bought a gigantic house for double the value and then sold it as a loss. Yeah, I hope it was worth getting your son on the Harvard fencing team. Exactly. Otherwise, he can just go back to his paid internship at Goldman Sachs. Exactly. <laughs> he got something to fall back yeah. on. Ron Culpa, umpire, threw yes. a massive temper tantrum during the Astros game. Um, he just he had a terrible strike zone. I don't know. It was all over Twitter. I don't know how he missed this strike. It's right down the middle of the plate, but he calls it a ball. The Astros bench is getting extremely frustrated. Manager A.J. Hinch goes out, tries to calm every down because Culpa's getting grumpy. Um, Culpa tosses the hitting coach because he was too animated. Hinch comes out and tries to calm everybody down again. Um, goes back. He, Hinch, Hinch is finally getting frustrated about it. 
and finally snaps and says to Ron Culpa, you can't keep doing this. You're not watching the game. You're too focused on what's going on on the bench, and you're letting it affect your balls and strikes that you're calling. And all of a sudden, Ron Culpa turns into Eric Cartman from South Park and yells out, I can do anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> so he tosses A.J. Hinch. Then he starts chirping at starting pitcher Garrett Cole, who is trying to do his warm-ups and is just chirping at him the whole time so you have a grown man who's in charge of a game and is acting like an overgrown 12 year old who you know got his xbox taken away from him it was just pathetic and you know umpires already are getting a lot of you know stuff thrown at them people don't like him in the first place just doesn't help your image at all if you're acting like that makes you wish you had angel hernandez calling your game yeah, and how <laughs> the worst umpire in the league. You can throw Joe West in there, too. Yeah, you could. But uh, Ron Culpa is just <laughs> acting like Eric Cartman just made my day, um, just because it creates a good storyline. But to- um, totally ridiculous. I never thought I'd see an umpire act like that. Um, let's see if I got any good more. Well, uh, Bryce Harper has returned yeah. to Washington. Everybody's booing him, have these big signs saying he's awful and a traitor. One guy decided to taunt him by printing out a copy paper sheet, an 8 by 5, 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper that had an image of Bryce Harper looking like Benedict Arnold. Okay, it's wrinkly, and he didn't border it correctly, and who's going to see it? Who's going to get that? That's Benedict Arnold. Nobody even, you can't even tell from the image. He's holding it up proudly. He's not going to see that sign. And it's like everybody else is looking at you like, this is the effort you put in behind it. So, I mean, he tried. He tried. But it just, it looked terrible. And um, how much time do we have left? Any left? We can do one more. Okay. Um, And then the other one, uh, just the Orioles being the Orioles, Mm. uh, which disappoints me because they're my third favorite team. But uh, David Hess, pitcher, has a no-hitter going to the seventh inning, and he gets yanked Mm. because they're worried about his pitch count. He's thrown 82 pitches through seven innings. The concern was on opening day he was a relief pitcher and he threw 42 pitches. I don't... A week ago. Yeah. Mm. So you're concerned that he threw a lot of pitches in relief a week ago, and now he has a chance to do something, a tremendous individual accomplishment and a great image for the team, and you're worried, so you pull him in the seventh inning. And Hess was like, what are you doing? If you see the look on his face, he's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) But that's what happened, and... It, it was the most Orioles thing, you know. Yeah. They they were the worst team in the majors last year. They're probably going to be again, and it, that that's the image that they want to give up is that, hey, our guy could throw a no hitter, but we didn't think <laughs> that he should be able to throw a no hitter because we panicked. So, yeah. Friday funnies with Ryan <laughs> as always. Uh, we do it a little earlier today though because we've got something else to make you laugh. Plan for the end of the show. Uh, coming up the. NBA MVP race. It's now a one-man show. It's no longer a three-person race. One has distanced himself from the other two. We'll tell you who it is after this in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you Friday afternoon. Ryan Stieg will rejoin us shortly. He had to step out for a moment. Until then, here's your Sports Center update. Jerry Stackhouse has been named the new head men's basketball coach at Vanderbilt. The Associated Press announced a couple of postseason awards yesterday. Chris Beard of Texas Tech has been named NCAA Men's Basketball Coach of the Year, while Iowa Hawkeye standout Megan Gustafson was tapped as Women's Player of the Year. And finally... Prince Harry is advocating for the video game Fortnite to be made illegal in England. Yeah, seriously, with everything going on, you think Brexit would be a more pressing issue, but Prince Harry has decided to go after Fortnite because it's too addicting for kids. All right, here's what's going on in segment three. I teased before the break that there is one NBA MVP candidate who has distanced himself from the other two. If you would have asked me two months ago, I would have told you James Harden is the MVP. If you would have asked me last month, I would have said, it's a toss-up between any of the three, Harden, Paul George, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right now, the MVP is Giannis, and it's not close. 
Giannis has distanced himself from the other two. He is the MVP frontrunner right now, as far as I'm concerned. Here's why. James Harden is a great scorer, and he's not as bad defensively as people want to say. People want to say that he's all offense, he's zero defense. It's not true. That's not true. He's a pretty good low post defender. He can poke a ball away and get a steal. His defense is far and away not nearly as good as Paul George or Giannis's, but it's not as bad as people say. Still, it seems like he hits 50 points every other game. He's scored at least 30 on every team in the league this year. It's at the point where it's like, oh, he scored 45, oh, big deal. You know, it's just another night of the office for him. He had that bar set so high for him a couple of months ago where he was scoring 30 every game. He had that streak of 30-point games that he's not elevating his game. And whether that's right or not, for us to take that into account, that's what we're doing. We're seeing James Harden stagnate, albeit stagnating at a high level, continues to score 30-something points a game. He's not wowing us like he was when he was on that streak. It sounds weird, I know. A guy can score 30-something every single night, and we criticize him. That's his downfall for the MVP award, because he's not continuing to put up bigger numbers than he already has. But it's almost like he peaked at the midway point of the season. And now he's just kind of stagnating. So even though his numbers are impressive, he's plateaued. He's stagnant. We have seen the peak version of Harden's offense in 2019. I tell you what, I don't think it's good enough to win the MVP award. Paul George has been the most consistent of the three at both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. But he's not as good offensively as Harden, and he's not as good defensively as Giannis. And just like Harden, George's numbers aren't changing all that much. He continues to put up impressive numbers. And as weird as it sounds, one of the biggest arguments against PG-13 for the MVP this year might be the elevated play of teammate Russell Westbrook. To be the MVP, you've got to be the best player in your own team, yes? And I, I still think Paul George is the best player in Oklahoma City. But there's a lot more debate about it now than there was a month ago. The other argument against Paul George being where his team is in the Western Conference standings. And I know the West is that good, but when you've got Paul George and Russell Westbrook, shouldn't you be better than threatening to finish eighth in that conference? When you look at Giannis and what he's doing, he elevates his game to the biggest stage when necessary. Last night, the Bucks clinched home court advantage throughout the playoffs by beating Philadelphia. Giannis went off for 45 points in that game. That's what the Bucks are going to need if they're going to make a run to the NBA Finals. Giannis willed the Bucks to victory last night. Giannis has willed the Bucks to the record that they've achieved so far this year. Giannis is the most valuable player in the NBA this season. Giannis means more to the Bucks' success than Paul George does to Oklahoma City's or James Harden's does to Houston. I'm not knocking Paul George and James Harden what they've done this year. Their body of work is good enough to be MVP in certain years, but they've stagnated. And while they've stagnated at a high level, Giannis continues to raise the bar for himself. He continues to elevate his game at both the offensive and the defensive ends of the floor. Giannis is this year's MVP. To me, it's not close anymore. By the way, a programming note, this weekend we will have ESPN Radio broadcast right here on ESPN-UP. Tomorrow, the Dodgers take on the Rockies. That game will start at 7.30, and then a doubleheader on Sunday, basketball plus baseball. It starts at 3 o'clock when the Thunder visit the Minnesota Timberwolves. You'll get a chance to hear Paul George in that matchup. Following that game at 7.30 is Sunday Night Baseball. It is the final game of that Dodgers-Rockies series. 7.30, we will have the ESPN broadcast here on ESPN-UP. You can hear it live with our app, which you can get for free at the Apple iStore Store or Google Play. Just search ESPN-UP. All right, so we've talked about the NHL playoff picture, the NBA playoff picture starting to take shape. What about the MLB playoff picture? One week into the season, what does the Major League Baseball playoff picture look like? The way too early to mean anything Major League Baseball playoff picture. Well, let's break it down anyway. In the wild card game, if the season ended today, the Detroit Tigers would be a playoff team. They would visit Texas in the wild card game. 
One week into the season, the Tigers are a playoff team. The season can't end soon enough. The winner of that game would take on the top seed in the American League, the AL West champion Seattle Mariners. On the other side, the two and three seeds in the AL, the East champion Tampa Bay Rays, and the Central champion Minnesota Twins. So that is the playoff picture if the MLB season ended today, officially one week into the Major League season. You would have Detroit taking on Texas in the American League wildcard game in Arlington. Winner would get Seattle. Tampa would play Minnesota in one of the other divisional series. That's a look in the American League. What about over in the National League? If the MLB season ended today, if the MLB season was one week long, the Padres would play the wild card game in New York. They would take on the New York Mets. So Manny Machado's already elevated his team to playoff status one week into the season. He should with the money that he's been getting. The Mets, they know how to pitch in the early going. It's showing. You wondered if Jacob deGrom was going to be able to top the season that he had last year, and he already has been better. Two starts into 2019. The winner of that game would take on the National League top-seeded Milwaukee Brewers, currently the central leader after one week, sitting at 6-1. and one. The other NLDS series has the East-leading Phillies taking on the West-leading Dodgers. Based on the signings that happened over the course of the offseason, things are probably working out as expected over in the NL. Just looking at the National League, those standings as of right now, Philadelphia is 4-1, and one, the Mets are 5-2, and two, Atlanta and Washington are both 3-3, three and three, the Marlins are 2-5. and five. Everybody's playing about as expected over there. In the Central, Milwaukee's at 6-1, and one, St. Louis is 3-3, three and three, Pittsburgh 2-3. and three. The Cubs and the Reds are both 1-5. and five. As bad as those teams have started this year, is that the biggest surprise in the National League? I mean, they had pretty good off-seasons, both of them did. The Reds especially. But did anybody think the Cubs' bullpen would be this bad? I mean, their bullpen is really, really bad that I didn't see this coming. They were swept by Atlanta, played the final game of that series last night. I mean, a lot of you listening, a lot of you Brewers fans probably aren't sad by the news, but you got to be a little surprised by it, don't you? Over in the West, you have the Dodgers leading at 5-2, and two, San Diego's 4-3, and three, Arizona 3-4, three and four, as is Colorado, the Giants are 2-5. and five. Again, pretty much playing out as we expected. I think people thought Colorado might be a little bit better. And again, only seven games in the season, a lot can change. Very rarely will you win anything in the first few weeks of the season. You could lose something. You could lose a season early on, but you're rarely going to win a season in the first few weeks. Going back to the American League standings over in the East, Tampa Bay's 5-2, Baltimore's 4-3, the Yankees are 3-4, Toronto's 3-5, Boston is 2-6. I don't think any of those standings are how people thought they would be this year. I don't think any of those teams are in the spot where everybody thought they would be, whether it's at the end of the year or at this point in the year. I don't know that a lot of people thought the Rays were going to be leading the division, and certainly a lot of people didn't think Baltimore would be second. Again, it's way too early in the year to take too much stock in this. It's Friday afternoon. We're having fun. We're taking a look at how teams have started. But if the first week is any indication for the American League East, it might be the most fun division to watch in baseball this year. In the Central, Minnesota's leading at 4-1. and one. The Tigers are 5-3. and three. Cleveland is 3-3. Three and three. The White Sox, 2-3. and three. Kansas City, 2-4. and four. Minnesota and Detroit are both exceeding expectations early on. The Indians are battling with injuries. They have a decimated lineup right now. They're trying to rely on pitching, and that's kept a minute at 500 through the first week. In the West, Seattle looking really good early on. They're at 7-1. and one. That's the best record in all of baseball right now. Texas at 5-2. and two. Oakland 6-4. and four. Houston is 2-5. and five. A little bit of a surprise. And then the Angels go out and spend all that money on Mike Trout. Well, they're 1-6 to start things off. So again, don't read too much into it just yet. It's just fun to look at it, how things have gone after one week. A very small sample size. Teams are still going to figure things out. The old Billy Bean quote, you have your first 50 games of the year to see what kind of team you have. You've got the next 50 to build your team. And then you've got the final 62 to compete. I don't know if that's still relevant or not, but something to think about. We owe you a timeout. Ryan will join me again when we come back. We've got a new segment we're introducing. That's how we're going to end the week in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. 
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Friday afternoon, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you just about down to the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to try something new to end the work week, and we're going to continue to raise the bar for stupidity on the Sports Pen. The Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gotts airs on here every uh, weekday from 10 to 1. They play a game called What He Looks Like, and we thought it looked like fun. So Ryan and I have come up with our own list of guys that we are going to try to convince each other they look like the character we describe. Mm-hmm. People are going to have a laugh. I think it should be a good way to end the week. I wish we had video with it, too. I wish, you know, partly that we were TV because it'd be better to see these guys. Um, I think a lot of people will get it, though. Yeah. I think they'll be able to recognize it, be able to picture it in their head. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do the honors? Sure. All right. Are we starting off now? Let's do it. All right. Uh, first guy on the list is uh, Wade Phillips. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there in his uh, Texas... Uh, I want to say windsuit mm. that we're going to go with, or like Something a like jacket. That. It's like a like light shell jacket. Uh, when I think Wade Phillips, he looks like uh, either a used car salesman or a RV salesman. Mm. You know, a guy who, you know, will try to get you a sweet deal, mm. but it may not be the deal that you want in the end. He looks like a guy who should be a successful RV dealer, but isn't. And then, like a, as a coach? <laughs> yeah, as a coach. Like, <laughs> logically, he should be, but you're going to end up with a very disappointing vehicle at the end of the day. <laughs> Try this one on. Uh, Wade Phillips looks like the attendant at a last chance gas station at the beginning of horror films who tries to warn the teenagers to forget their camping trip, turn around, and go home. Could you see it? I can see it. Yeah. I could see him also, like, supplying a tip on how to defeat the evil person, but, like, it not working out for him. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wade Phillips. Who else we got? Uh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. Boy, that's a good one. Um, he looks like a hardware guy. You I know? can see that. Yeah, a guy who works at, like, Lowe's or Home Depot where you go in and will ask, hey, I need some, I'm resurfacing my floor, you mm-hmm. know. I need, uh, I need some new tiles. And he'll give you... The tiles they have, but they're not the right fit, and they're not the right color, and everything he supplies to you that could finish your project is not what you need. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you throw him a bone and will take one of his things because you feel bad, but it'll end up not working for you. So, yeah, that's what I think. Wade Phillips looks like a frustrated farmer who just can't figure out how the critters keep getting in underneath the fence. Jeff Fisher, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the, 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 that the picture that's up right now, mm-hmm. the frustrated look that he's got, although he's given that look quite a bit over his last few years of his coaching career. Yeah. Maybe like how I can't be getting a job. <laughs> you know, that's the frustration. Hugh Jackson's back in the league, but I'm not. Yeah. Rory McIlroy next on the list. Oh, um, he, I would say Rory's like a guy who – you know, is a frat guy mm. who who is on the cusp of graduating but doesn't want to leave quite yet because, <laughs> you know, he's got more keggers still in him mm. and he thinks he's cool enough where, like, you know, all the younger guys will see. He's the guy who doesn't leave campus mm. even though he's already he might have already graduated. He wants to still stay in the frat. So that's, uh, that's, that's pre- what I think. Pretty close to what I came up with, or at least similar. Rory McIlroy looks like your friend who's drowning in debt and asks you if he can borrow money, but makes you promise not to tell anyone. But instead of using it to pay off his debt, he buys the entire bar a round of drinks so he can look like a big shot. That sounds about right. Yeah. Get you like a round of lemon drops yeah. kind of a thing. Let's see who we got after. There we go. Coach Pop. Uh, Greg Popovich. I'd say... Um, in the photo we got here, he's waving his finger. With the so, red tie. With the red tie. He looks like a guy who is retired and is yelling at kids to stay off his lawn. <laughs> you know, like he's... Typical old man. Yeah, just an angry old guy who, you know, maybe 
has hasn't retired yet mm-hmm. from his job, but has reached the point where he doesn't care anymore and is just likes yelling at people. This particular picture I picked with this scenario because he's wearing the red tie. He looks like a businessman with the suit anyway, but he's got the beard and the red face going. He's clearly upset in the picture. Greg Popovich looks like Santa Claus trying to lead the North Pole out of an economic recession by verbally abusing a group of exhausted elves whenever they try to take a break. I like the I like the Santa Claus thing. I was yeah. briefly thinking go in that direction, but it's like, you know, maybe that's too obvious. <laughs> so I, I went the other way. Roger Federer. What do you see when you look well, at Roger Federer? If you Federer? look at Roger in that shot, maybe like he's a guy who's at Disney World, mm. you know, and he sees like the ride. He just went out and like Splash Mountain. And then he looks at, you know, the monitors. You can get the souvenir photos. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he got a bad shot. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just like, that looks awful out there. And is that what I really look like? And that's what he's going with. He's a guy who thinks he's better looking than he is, but then Splash Mountain showed that he's not. He's got the white polo. He's the Rolex guy. Roger Federer looks like he was once the president of a fraternity that the university shut down because they took hazing too far. Hmm. Yeah. Look, I, he's I got the polo, it. the yeah. Rolex. Yeah. That's got a, got graduated, you know, that's moderately Federer. successful. Yeah. How about Billy Donovan? This is my favorite picture of Billy Donovan, by the way. He's got his arms crossed, he's got the widow's peak going, and he looks really mad. He uh, he looks like Dracula, a disappointed Dracula. I'm glad that someone brought that up, because I put, Billy Donovan looks like the leader of a sadistic troop of vampires who terrorize a local village. Yeah, like, he, he looks like he was in 30 Days a Night. Yes! But his, but he his, looks like the head vampire from 30 Days a Night. He's, and he's very disappointed because they're not capturing enough people. And, and his girlfriend got killed during yeah, that movie. And the sun is rising in like a day. <laughs> <laughs> and his quest and he still is doesn't have Josh Hartnett No, yet. he doesn't, no. <laughs> yeah, Billy Donovan just looks like a vampire. I would not be surprised at all if I found out that was true. Brad Stevens. Um... Brad looks like a guy, like an eager young attorney, mm-hmm. you know, just got hired out of college, you know, and he thinks like he's going to be successful right away. I got the idea. I mm-hmm. mean, he's waving is he's either pointing at the TV screen or he's got like a number one hand signal. Up excuse in the this juror. Yeah, and uh, he's he wants to be on the big trial team, but people don't think he's ready. So if I if I like put together an act in the boardroom <laughs> that we have in the law firm, and I show him my stuff. Like, he looks as he's going to point to a chart mm. on the wall and say, like, here. <laughs> Where were you the night of the 20th? Yeah, that's what it looks like he's doing. Brad Stevens looks like the new young pastor of a tiny church in a small Midwestern town who slowly wins over the stubborn elderly congregation. And also maybe like a, a youth pastor, okay, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm young, I'm hip. You know, he'll <laughs> drop like slang words that really don't flow with the message he's trying to put on. <laughs> like he'll say, like you know, like some weird like. The Ten Commandments were lit, or something like that, and they'll just completely fall flat. So he doesn't work well with the elderly, and doesn't work well with the. Young I almost put Grayson Allen's picture in there instead of Brad Stevens, but knowing Grayson's personality, I don't think that would mesh with the scenario. Yeah. How about John Tortorella? A few ways you can go with this one. Oh man! And and the photo he has—he's looking down the bench. And I wanted one with glasses. Yeah, and he's wearing a hoodie. So he's like a guy who wishes he was Bill Belichick, <laughs> so he'll wear the hoodie on the sideline thinking that maybe that's the image I want, but like he's considering maybe I just need to yell at these guys more. Like he, He's confused in the method he's trying to do. If I wear the hoodie, I'm like Bill Belichick, but... He doesn't yell as much, so maybe I need to yell at this guy. That pretty much sums up how he coached the last World Cup. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's where that picture's from. I wanted to find one with him in a shirt and tie and with glasses, and oddly enough, it was really tough to find one, so I just went with the glasses, even though he's wearing the tracksuit. John Tortorella looks like a stuffy Ivy League professor who has a basement with 12 lava lamps and a rotating DVD tower, even though his credit score begins with a 7. Nice. Yeah. He looks like a guy who kind of lays back, has fun. This one should be fun, too. Mark Cuban. The Cube. Um, Does anyone call Mark Cuban the Cube? Maybe himself. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like, like that kind of guy. The guy who gives himself a, his own nickname. <laughs> um, 
you know, like, I want to say like a manager at like a discount retail store, Mm -hmm. you know, who thinks he's bigger and he really is, like... He's giving you your job interview, and you come in there, and he's like, what do you think you can bring to the team here at Dollar General? <laughs> and, like, he's way too overdressed <laughs> and asking you really intense questions when all you're there to do is ring up price, <laughs> ring up people's products and the like. Refers That's to a, himself in the third person. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I could totally see him being that kind of guy. Mark Cuban looks like the guy who gets on an airplane, orders a double bourbon before takeoff, and gets mad at the stewardess when she reminds him that it's 9.30 in the morning. I can see that. He might be that guy in real life anyway, to be honest with you. And maybe he hits on the flight attendant. (laughs) (laughs) Gets about 12 beers deep at his niece's wedding and comes that creepy dude. Uh, Zlatan Abramovich. I'm not a big soccer guy, so I I, I needed you to identify this guy (laughs) before I looked on the photos. So... um, he looks like I would say a guy who is in a cover band. Okay, you know, not, you know, and not a very good cover band. You know, <laughs> like he's he's a cover band for like an '80s group, like Poison mm. or like Warrant. But it hasn't. <laughs> but his, he still thinks in his mind that by playing bass, his guy, his band's gonna make it, even though there's no chance that it's gonna happen. Like he has this like intense look on his face. You know, like. I got my eyes on the prize. If I keep playing, I'm going to get there. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Zlatan Abrahamovich looks like the owner of a New York deli who makes his customers feel stupid for not knowing everything there is to know about certain cuts of meat before eventually getting frustrated and refusing service. I don't watch Seinfeld. Like a soup Nazi? The soup Nazi. I don't watch Seinfeld, but I've seen that episode. He just screams soup Nazi at me. I can see it, yeah. That's where I started getting that one. Paul Christ. (laughs) <laughs> Look at wearing it, wearing his Wisconsin sweater <laughs> with a Wisconsin ball cap, um, like a friendly guy. He's your local no- neighborhood meat market guy, mm-hmm. but can't quite sell you a deal. You know? <laughs> like you'll be like, I want like a box of steaks, but you know you want quality steaks, and they'll be like, here, why don't you try this brand? But can't manage to pull it off. And just a guy who underachieves at a job that he should be doing very well at. <laughs> Paul Chris looks like the guy who was a three-year letter winner in high school and always finds a way to work it in every conversation. Yeah. He could be in real life. Yeah. He kind of gives you that vibe. I could have started at, uh, you know... Tennessee Tech. <laughs> if I could had have just been, gotten the stance. I could have know? been special teams if I didn't blow out my knee. Yeah, exactly. Matt Painter. A guy who tries to, you know, be a hip, you know, businessman. Like, he'll be, you know, kind of like what I was going with uh, with Brad Stevens there. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's pointing out, like, the guy who wants to be, you know, the CEO, but he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. He'll, he, he's making a sales pitch. He's pointing at the chart that he has. <laughs> And saying, here, if you go this route, you know, our profits will go up. But nobody believes in him. <laughs> and he's a guy who just, when it's time, it's crunch time, he just doesn't get to finish the job. That's what I'm going It's with. his haircut that does it for me. I swear he's had the same haircut for 15 years. And it's graying. Yeah. yeah and it's getting oh, a little bit I, another thing. But okay. I'll add in there. He looks like a, uh, adding in there a guy who, by all logic, should be going with Just for Men, but he thinks gray is a more distinguished look. He is the before in a before and after commercial <laughs> yeah, exactly. for Just for Men. Just for Let's Men. Go with that. Yeah. Matt Painter looks like the spokesman for a legal firm, and every time their commercial plays, you think he sounds more angry that you still haven't called their toll-free 1-800 number yet. Yeah. Yeah, see? You need a structured settlement. You <laughs> haven't called me yet. <laughs> What's that about? Two left. Uh... Adam Gase, newest head coach in the New York and you got, Jets. And you got the shot where he's wide-eyed. The he, perfect one. He, This is a guy who thinks that he got a new job that's going to be phenomenal, and then he realized on his first day that he made a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like, his, he's wide-eyed like, oh, I, I don't get benefits with this job. <laughs> or, oh, I, you know... They undersold me. You know, they told me that, you know, my salary would be like 200000 a year, but, you know, they added an extra zero or something like that. Just a guy who just is very shocked by what just happened. Adam Gase looks like Steve Buscemi trying to impersonate Adam Gase. I like it. Crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he could be in an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, I can see it. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. 
Uh, angry Steve Kerr. Angry Steve Kerr. I wanted a specific <laughs> angry Steve Kerr. Like, like he could be a talking head, like on a political talk show. Mm. You know, like if, like he's going up a guy who has vastly different views with him, and that guy is just being really stupid <laughs> with his opinions, and he's just like, "Er, I it's can't." Like an convince, angry senator. Yeah, I can't convince this guy to you know sign on <laughs> to I don't know. I'll throw it out like build the wall or something like that, you know, just very, very disappointed. And if I show my intensity, I can convince them to come to my side. Steve Kerr looks like he was once very happy, but became bitter at the world after the death of his pet turtles, Myrtle and Sheldon, the most generic turtle names in the world. I like it, though. Yeah. Yeah. At uh, Myrtle and Sheldon. I-, I actually had a stuffed turtle named Sheldon. At one I had time. a real turtle named Myrtle. Did you really? I did at one point. Yeah. So that so it was like a connection. Between a little two bit, of us. yeah. But you know, Myrtle's a pretty common turtle name. Myrtle Sheldon, turtle. I never had. I never had Sheldon, but a lot of people do. Yeah, Yertle the turtle, like Doctor Seuss. Yertle the turtle. <laughs> yeah, it could work. It, it could work. Yeah, but like, yeah, just the intense face, you know. I tell you what, credit to the Levitard show for what he looks like. Uh, we had some fun on yeah. Friday before we get things into the weekend. Yeah, I th- you know, it was a fun thing. I, you know, when you try something new, it's always good. Like, you know, we've tried the Friday Funnies, and mm-hmm. that caught on, and we're still doing it, and maybe we can add this to another segment or do this again. So That's going to do it for the Sports Pen this week. As always, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you being here, and by the time you're on next week, we will have a college basketball champ. We'll be another week deeper into baseball, basketball playoffs. Going into college hockey, the Frozen Four will be Thursday. the Frozen Four coming up as well. Yeah, so a wide variety of stuff. That's it for us once again. Signing off on ESPN-UPWZAM. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen.